grace and mercy and peace belong to you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Back in the days of Napoleon Bonaparte in the early 1800s, a soldier in, Bonap in, Napole in Bonaparte's army deserted. He was captured. He was sentenced. And in those days, the sentence for desertion in the French army was death. Firing squad. Before the execution was carried out, the soldier's wife came before Napoleon and asked, Sir, I ask mercy and a pardon for my husband. Napoleon replied, I'm, I'm sorry, man. Your husband does not deserve a pardon. He's a deserter. You're correct, sir, she replied. You're correct. He doesn't deserve it. And that's why I ask for mercy. If he did deserve a pardon, it would not be mercy. Napoleon granted the pardon. As you and I begin a, a series about Christian stewardship, about the, the management to the glory of God of all the lavish gifts that the Lord gives us in every imaginable way. You and I do well before anything else to remember the nature of grace, God's love for you and me in Jesus Christ that is undeserved, undeserved, undeserved. Perhaps the, the most well-known passage from God's Word about grace is from Ephesians chapter 2, where Paul says, By grace, by God's undeserved love, you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has planned in advance for us to do. What, what does God's grace in Jesus Christ give to you and me? Oh, that list, that list could be endless. For the moment, let's consider three. Grace gives to you and me rescue. Rescue from the curse of our sins so that we're all washed clean in the blood of the Lamb. Grace, according to God's Word, also gives us motivation to live for Him. The very good news that, that God gives to us, that, that all is washed away in Jesus Christ, that it's that same very news that empowers you and me to shine as a light in this dark and broken world. And because he does these things, by God's grace, the Lord also gives us joy. Joy not just for a little while. 
joy not just when things are going well, but even in a broken and troubled world, as troubled as the world is right now, you and I still possess joy. Rescue, motivation, joy. And all of this is ours by the power of the gospel. The power of the message that God the Son came here and became a human being and in our place lived the kind of life that you and I were supposed to live, but we failed to because of our sin. And then he took all of our failures upon himself and marched to the cross and paid for them in full. That is why you and I have what we have by the grace of God. Which brings us to the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 13. Very short story that Jesus tells here to illustrate a point. He tells about a man who finds a, a, a treasure hidden in a field, which in those days was not uncommon. In those days, the way the, their economy worked, if you had coins or precious possessions, it was not uncommon to find a place to keep them safe, to keep them secure. But then what would happen from time to time is that those treasures would be lost. Perhaps an invading army would come through, and in all of the confusion, the, the, the person who, who hid that treasure is no longer around. Or perhaps the person who hid the treasure dies and didn't tell anybody where it was hidden. But a man finds this hidden treasure in a field, and as he does, a light goes on in his head, and he develops a plan. Jesus says that he, he hides the treasure again in that field, and then with joy, with joy, this man proceeds to sell every single possession he has ever owned. You can imagine the reaction of his family members or close friends seeing him not only selling every single possession he has ever owned, but doing it with a, a big smile on his face and maybe a bit of a chuckle. Well, he was anticipating what he had in that treasure. And then he buys the field, and the treasure is his. What's Jesus' point in that short but vivid story? Jesus' point is not, here's a lesson on how to conduct real estate transactions and to do it in a sneaky way. And Jesus' point is not, is not that life is about looking for hidden treasure on somebody else's property and then trying to figure out a way to get that property. Rather, Jesus' story illustrates a pivot point, a complete change of priority. When the man realized that what he had in this treasure, his perspective changed. His perspective changed on everything else he possessed. What mattered was the treasure. Everything else suddenly came in a distant second. 
In fact, he now happily devoted all that he had to the possession of that treasure. As a result, you and I can rightfully say that his, his happy discovery of that treasure, his happy discovery of that treasure, in a sense, cost him everything. But because he knew the value of the treasure, because he knew the value of the treasure, he was just fine with that. Likewise, brothers and sisters, when you and I have a moment when we get to be refreshed and we get to see the eternal treasures that you and I have in Jesus. When that happens to me, my perspective changes. My perspective changes on all of my temporary possessions, whatever the Lord has chosen to give to me on a temporary basis, whether, he has, whether it is the time that he's chosen to give me for a little while, or whether it is the talents and abilities that he has chosen to give me for a little while, whether it is some wealth that he has chosen to give me for a little while, whether it's my health that he has chosen to allow me to have for a little while, whether it's physical strength, whatever it happens to me that the Lord chooses to give to me for a little while, Nothing, nothing compares to the treasure I have in Christ. Perhaps one of the greatest examples of that shift in attitude is the Apostle Paul. Before Paul came to faith in Jesus, from a worldly point of view, he had a pretty th good thing going. He, he enjoyed high status. He was a highly respected Pharisee, religious leader of his religious community. And as such, he had a pretty predictable life. He was well cared for. And he enjoyed all kinds of conveniences. He didn't have to have a lot of surprise stress in his life. But then he came to faith in Christ, and all of his priorities changed. His status well, at least when it came to his old religious community, not only was he now an object of contempt, he was often an object of sheer hatred. Predictability of life, well, that was gone. And how about creature comforts and conveniences? As he went around proclaiming Jesus Christ, he endured shipwrecks, he endured all of the hardships that came with, with traveling in those days, including the, the fear of being robbed and beaten. He was ridiculed. He was imprisoned. He was beaten with rods. He was put in the stocks. He endured towards the end of his life harsh conditions for imprisonment. And eventually he died by beheading. And yet, with all of that going on, the Holy Spirit moved 
Paul still to say in the Word of God, I consider our present sufferings do not compare at all with the glory that will be revealed in us when we bask in the glories of heaven. Back to another picture that Jesus gives us elsewhere in Matthew. He he calls upon us to imagine you and me amassing all of the temporary blessings that the Lord chooses to give us. However, what we do is that we just crowd them around ourselves, as many as we possibly can, and we plop ourselves down in the middle. What then? Well, all of those temporary blessings are there for moths to come and eat, for the rust to come and destroy, for thieves, perhaps, to break in and steal. Is that a life? Is that a life? As you and I sit here in church, it's easy for you and me to say, that's no life. That's no life at all. And yet you and I must confess to our Lord and to each other that there have been all kinds of times that you and I have given in to the lie from the devil that that is what life is. Go out, get a little money, and whatever conveniences and comforts and things to enjoy that I can amass around me, well, then I have a life. But thinking that way is simply another way of saying, Lord Jesus, I really have little time for you. And you and I must come to repentance for our coldness of heart when it comes to our love for our Savior. And yet, in God's grace, God's grace, when we come to him in repentance, the Savior to whom we belong assures us that we are washed clean, that he blankets us in his holiness, and that we are his. And that the eternal treasures are ours too. What are the eternal treasures that you and I possess in Jesus Christ? What, what list would you make? It would be a long one. One is forgiveness, full forgiveness of our every sin in Jesus. Another is the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. In spite of the headlines and, and the updates of all that is going on in the world, you and I possess a peace that the world cannot give. You and I possess God's promise that his guiding hand is by our side, carrying us through every difficult moment and and making even our harsh and bitter moments to submit to his will and for our good. And when our short, short, short time in this broken world is done, then comes eternal life. Not only eternal life for for you and me, but the sure, sweet knowledge that others who have come to faith in Jesus, other souls will be there with us. 
We all know the old saying, you can't take it with you. The reaction of the world very often to that phrase, you can't take it with you, of course, is, well, you can't take it with you, so you may as well blow it now on all the self-indulgence you can because this is when you have it. But you and I belong to our Savior. You and I look at that saying a little bit differently. True, you can't take it with you. But for right now, we can use it on what matters. For the short time that we have, we can use all of our temporary blessings on what matters. And here's the beauty. When you and I do that, all of a sudden what we do with our temporary blessings in this temporary space and time has eternal consequences. Eternal consequences. For our Savior working through us sharing the gospel with another soul, and that other soul comes to faith, and suddenly we will be with that blood-bought soul in heaven for eternity. That's a life. That's a life. For you and I belong to Christ, and praise God, the eternal treasures are already ours. Amen. May the peace of God that surpasses all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Jesus. Amen.